Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest overdue edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. We are still 75% British, 25% Irish, but absolutely 100% Giants. Uh, with Shane unavailable this week, we've gone to the bench to bring on a sub. And uh, as Andy from the Giants UK fan club joins myself, Kev and producer Craig to bring you the latest news from East Rutherford. Plus, we're going to finish off later on by opening up the mailbag once again, as we've had a fair few questions in. Lads, it's been a while. How are we all doing? Yeah, good. Uh, not too bad. I was glad to miss your podcast there the other week. I did listen to it. You boys done a very good job. Very pleased, lads. Just, um, you know, things are hotting up in OTAs. You know, nothing too radical happening but just nice to get some storylines you know some sort of involvement uh, some of the interviews have been good and it's nice to talk a bit of football now before we have a bit of a lull before um, the, the actual uh, pre-season practices start yeah it's been picks and troughs hasn't it we, it was quiet for a good few weeks and now we've had the end of OTAs and beginning a mini camp and a couple of kind of new stories come out that we'll get into but back into back into hiding after this yeah, it's been it's been tough going, hasn't it? It's been tough going the last few weeks. Substitute Andy, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. It's always good to get off the bench, stretch out, show the man what I can do. Yeah, man. Can't warn the bench all the time, you know. But now, good to have you with us, mate. It's been a while since you've been on. Um, I, don't, I don't know when the last time you were on was. December. December, wow. So first time this year. So welcome to 2022, mate. Um, oh, yeah. thanks. <laughs> first time this year you've been on. Uh, fair play. But now, good to have you back with us. Like like we said, there's, there's not a huge amount going on in the football world at the moment. But as usual, we're sort of trying, going to try and bring you up to speed with everything Giants related. Um, now, it has always been three weeks uh, since we were last with you because schedules clashing and you know not really being much in the way of, of Giants football going on. But um, as usual, producer Craig has been all over our Twitter recently. And remember, if you don't already, give us a follow and get in touch with us at Big Blue UK IRL on Twitter. Also, you can get in contact with us via the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook group, can't they, Andy? They can. Absolutely can. Look for our threads on there. Get in touch with us there as well. And also via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. And with the London game fast approaching, we'll no doubt bring you more details of the events we're planning on our socials first. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for news on what we're going to have over the weekend of the Packers game. And like I said, it's been three weeks since we were last with you, and you can kind of really tell that it's the middle of the off-season. Virtually nothing happening, really, in regards to the football world, apart from mini-camps and OTAs. Who can believe it's been six weeks since the draft as well? Obviously, OTAs have come and gone, uh, and now we're at the beginning of mandatory mini-camp. And that started off yesterday... I believe, yeah, yesterday, Monday the 7th, Coach opened up with a quick press conference saying about it's kind of just an extension of OTAs, really. And there's just a little bit more time and meetings and sort of extra walkthroughs. And they announced we're going to do joint practice with the Jets, uh, which is going to be quite interesting. The last time we uh, had joint practice with the Jets in 05, there was a mass brawl. So (laughs) maybe we've got that to look forward to during training camp as well. But when he's asked about what he'd look for during his time, uh, he said now's a good time to give guys a lot of roles and see what sticks, especially giving certain players different different positions like inside and outside on offensive line for Ezudu. But one big thing was the confirmation that, um, that Dan Jones has been cleared for contact as well following his neck injury. So that's quite a big headline coming out of uh, minicamp so far. Talking with OTAs as well, obviously we had the 10 OTA days, many different visitors coming and going. Steve Smith was there for a couple of days. Steve Smith Senior, sorry, was there for a couple of days in which he fooled a lot of people say he joined the coaching staff, um, which was quite funny. Justin Tuck as well stopped by, had a chat with obviously with the players and with the coaches uh, and 
Michael Strahan as well had chats with Coach Dable, Joe Shane, and former teammate Jesse Armstead, who's now a special assistant to the GM. OTAs and mini camps, have you seen much of what's been going on recently, or what are your thoughts of what's gone on and happened? I love the whole thing. Like, it's good to see um, the rookies out there, you know, um, in their uniforms with the numbers, you know, taking the field, running through drills, running through practices. And you can't read too much into who's with the ones, the twos, all that type of carry on. There's a lot of red jerseys at the moment. People have a little bit of knocks and stuff. We've been terrible with injuries over the years, but I'm really hoping this year, you know, take things easy now. It's all about install at the moment. It's all about learning the playbook and learning the plays. We don't need to run at full pace. We don't need to overdo too much. It's all about getting out there, learning the new systems, because the two systems, offense and defense, are drastically different, like hugely different, and they need to be, to be honest, especially in offense, as we know. But it's um, it's good to see people out there, you know, hearing reports, Daniel Jones throwing well, you know, players making catches and stuff. I mean, Galladay's not, not out there running full drills and... Um, Tony's not running full drills and Shepard, as we know, will be out for a good while yet. You know, it's just good to see that the players are out there. They're, you know, they're learning the system. They're learning the coaches as well. And I think through a lot of the press conferences and stuff, you know, um, Babel's a different cat. He's, he's, he's chilled. He's relaxed. Babes, you know, as he likes to be called. It kind of feels like, you know, it's not a fun time, but we're going to go out. We're going to learn the system. And if you come out and you sort of like learn everything, play the way I want you to play, you know, you're going to get reps, you're going to get plays, you're going to exceed time in the field. I still can't believe, like, just quickly touch on the draft as well. Like, we talked about Dan, you know, last year with Sheehan saying that next year, after last year's draft, they were like, oh, next year, he'd look out for it. When just saying that, you know, you know, Neil, the tackle from Alabama, Thibodeau, the pass rusher from Oregon. Like, if we were able to get any of those two guys, it'd be like a class draft for us. Like, And just to, to get such good players on key positions on the offensive line, defensive line, like, it's huge. Like, these are premier positions, and we've got premier players in that position. And the rest of the draft, I just think we kind of, like, pick players that suit our system, which I think is very clever. I think it's very clever. It's like, all right, I had players higher on the board when it came to round two, round three, round four. But, you know, that's just me watching a bit of film, listening to some analysts and stuff like that. But I get a real feel that the players they pick will be good roster role players for our team and will help us go forward and move forward in the vision that the um, that uh, Coach Dable has. Uh, so these kind, of, these kind of like little storylines, like I'm really enjoying at the moment. A lot of the rookies seem to be showing up as well. I think if you look at OTAs, Bellinger, I think dropped his first target today. I think they were saying he actually finally dropped a target, which is pretty damn impressive for a, a tight a rookie tight end to come in and just catch everything that's thrown his way. And it's interesting to note that Jones and Robinson seem to have some kind of telepathic connection that they've somehow built up. Because the amount of times I've read the OTA roundups and it says that Robinson's made some ridiculous catch, contested catch or a touchdown, regardless of whether it's 11v11 or 7v7, that has come up a hell of a lot. And I don't want to say it too loud, but the word explosive keeps coming up as well. Yeah, man. Obviously, when we picked Wondell Robinson, it was kind of like, okay, who are you? Um, but the fact, yeah, he's he's shown up and Bellinger as well. You know, I've every, every day you look at social media and you see something new about Daniel Bellinger and you see something positive about him. Same with same with Robinson as well. It's like where have these guys come from almost? And the fact that we picked him up and were second and fourth round, I think we picked Bellinger. Was it? It's great value. Just quickly touch on that because we will talk about all the draft picks and and positions, position battles, and you know our potential fifty threes that we would like to see in the in, in the coming weeks. But Bellinger, like, I thought Bellinger was a good pick at the time. He's just one of those players, right, that I've always wanted, because I love tight end, as you boys know, that's, that's, that's like kind of my position. 
He's one of those players that I see other teams hit on that I want to hit on. You know that player that underutilized in college because the scheme they ran wasn't sort of pass heavy. It was very predominantly run scheme at San Diego State. And just, you know, so so he wasn't asked to do a lot. But when he, he didn't drop a ball at all in, at, at college, like at any game, he didn't drop a pass. All his college career, he just wasn't targeted a lot. And we know he's a good blocker. Like we've seen a film on it. Like, you know, I've sent you boys some clips, so, you know, of, uh, of his just just his blocking um, in, in college and stuff. Like, so I just hope, like, I see these some of these tight ends going in the later rounds. I'm like, oh, you know, why can't we hit on a player like that instead of going for the flashy, fast guy in the first round? Do you know what I mean? It's interesting as well, because I think it was today that I read something that Ricky Seals-Jones, and Dable was saying, don't read into this because it's all about reps. However, we can read into this. What we do is we're fans. <laughs> yes, exactly. We have to blow things out of proportion. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones has been third on the depth chart behind Bellinger, and is it Austin, the second tight end? Uh, Adkins. No, no, one of the three. The you... Oh, Austin Allen. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Those two have had more reps than Ricky Seals-Jones uh, across the whole of OTAs. I mean, that's fine, though, because, like, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones was brought in as a, a player with, with experience. You know, and we said before, he's a wide receiver in college, converted tight end in the in the, in the pros, and he's brought in for a bedroom minimum deal. I mean, he'll cost z- nearly zero for, for if we do cut him or whatever, although I think we will carry him. But he came in on a bet minimum deal. We have no real allegiance to him. It's a one-year contract. He was brought in sort of safety as, as, as a, you know, that sort of like holding to hold the position. And I really like hope that, you know, Bellinger comes in and Austin Allen comes in and wrestles it away from him. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, they're the type of tall, sort of like fast-ish, maybe not athletic freaks as in, you know, they'll run the 40-yard and silly numbers or, or, they'll, or they'll have really fast cuts and really fast, like, routes and stuff like that. But they have a knack of getting open and they can body defensive backs off them to catch the ball and they block very, very well. That's what a Titan's all about, though. They're not about being flashy and they're not about, you know, running perfect routes. They're about being open and get, getting open and, and making the play when they need to make a play, you know? No one told Evan Ingram. He's <laughs> <laughs> gone now. His hair's cut, you know, you Change his number, he'll be he'll be class for Jacksonville, won't he? Oh, you just know that game at Wembley is going to light it up. Definitely. Uh, good luck, good luck to him. Hope he hope he does prove himself in Jacksonville. Right, just a yeah. quick one, lads. Just a quick one, like you know, but just, just go off topic quickly. How do you feel about players who didn't quite big expectations like Ingram, who didn't quite cut it for us when they go to different teams? Do you want them to succeed, or 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 do you want that kind of thing? Where like, okay, show us the the same player you were with us. So we, you know, so we weren't like done, if you like. Do we have a scale? So like the Evan Engram to Eli Apple scale? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Eric Flowers scale as well. Where's he on there? Oh, the Eric Flowers scale. Yeah. Flowers became a very good player. Yeah. Flowers, Flowers played better as a guard, much better offensive lineman they did with us. I'm not saying he was good, but he was average a little bit below average for the for the redskins and stuff but he was awful for us yeah i think it all depends on the player really you know for for someone like eli apple couldn't care less how how well he did um and the fact that the fact that he went to uh, cincinnati and basically gave up two touchdown passes in the super bowl i think it's hilarious but you know evan engram yeah it didn't work out for him in, in at giants but it might it might do in Jacksonville, you never know. It might he might suit their offense better than he did ours. I mean Nothing's gonna work out in Jacksonville. They're loaded for disaster. 
It will be interesting to see that team when it comes over and see where they are because they come over quite deep into the season, don't they? The last week in October. Yeah, week eight, week seven, week eight. It's the end of October, isn't it? So we'll see how many drops or touchdowns uh, Ingram has by then. Have you seen what they're paying Christian Kirk? Oh, yeah. They are set up for an absolute flop. They've made Christian Kirk like the fifth highest paid receiver in the NFL, which is crazy. That's all potential they're trying to pay for. There's no production there, really. Just remember, Dan, I have the sound clip of you guaranteeing the win. Oh, what, against Jacksonville? Oh, 100% we'll get the win. 100% we'll get the win. We better. You can can sound clip that as well. We will beat Jacksonville this season. I think we'll beat a lot of teams this season. Our schedule is weak. If we don't get a decent season off the back of this, then Daniel Jones is done. Ooh, optimism. Just jumping in, though, on what was said just about uh, Daniel Jones being cleared for contact. Who actually cleared him? Is this the same people that failed to notice he'd got injured on the second play of the game against the Eagles? Well, I think I think this this neck injury is like it's a, it's a a bit of a strange one because a lot of people believe that if we were playing well and in contention for something that he would have played. A lot of people kind of feel that they shut him down for the season. That was just best that it was a sinking ship, just basically stick him on a life raft and send him ashore. And like, let this season's team pick him up. Do you know what I mean? Protect him from Joe Judge kind of thing. I think so. Yeah, I think that's kind of like people's feelings on it. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't injured at all, but I just think like if we were put on a player push or something, and he had to play, that he probably would have played. I got the feeling he got injured against Dallas, and they kind of chanced it. But uh, that that's me and my conspiracy theories. But he didn't have to get battered against Dallas that season. Yeah. I think better O-line protection, I know we're going off tangent now, but better, better O-line protection, him sliding earlier, a lot earlier, like even if it's third and 25 or third and 20, slide, just slide on third and third and four or five. You know, give us a better punt. You know, don't get injured going out trying to get those extra yards. Do you know what I mean? Live to play another play. It finally feels like he's going to get a coaching staff that are up to date with the modern game. Because he's had to deal with a few dinosaurs with uh, Shermer and then, um, oh, Happy Clapper. What's his name? Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. God, yeah. Jason Garrett. Someone described our offense last year as being 1990s. It was awful. And I think like Judge's hands were tied a wee bit. I like Judge. I bought in. Like we all did, built, we like drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, with Joe Judge last year. Like, I mean, I did. I kind of bought in on the, the tough mentality and blah, blah. I know Debs is very different to that night. But again, being the optimist, I'm going to jump on the old, like, better O-line. An actual, actual fit, Saquon Barkley. A new, uh, innovative playbook. A playbook that get, gets motions, gets people on the move, gets dynamic receivers the ball in space. You know, I just think that we will go out and be a lot more a lot more productive. Well, I'm not saying we'll make playoffs or anything like that, but I think we'll be a lot more productive. But then part of me will be, like, feel for Joe Judge, because he'll be like, Hold on, you guys didn't give me that when I was there. I was with him right up until the moment he ran two goal line um, scrambles on his own goal line. At that point, he lost me. Once you make it so the team is embarrassing to watch, yeah, you've lost me completely. He should have. He should have over overrid um, Garrett on that. Garrett had gone, hadn't he? Garrett has gone by then. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett had gone. Yeah, I think it was. It was at Kitchens. Kitchens, yeah, Freddie. Kitchens, yeah. But it's, is it funny that Joe Judge potentially might lose the Patriots offensive coordinator job or the play calling to Matt Patricia? Oh, wow. Defensive coordinator. Yeah, I read that the other day, that Patricia might end up calling plays for the offense. Ouch. 
I wish Joe Judge all the best in the world. I honestly do. But uh, yeah, so do I. As a head coach, he left a lot to be desired. Yeah, obviously, obviously, it was his first head coaching gig, so you know, did he learn anything from it? Probably, I hope so. And in the future, will he will he get another head coaching role in the future? Who knows? Let's see how he does it. No, not for a long, long time. You have to build up his reputation. He probably, he probably won't. What he probably won't want it more than anything. I kind of think we swung for the fences there, and, and we missed. You know, some people hit, but we we definitely missed. Like, I mean, I could I could understand like if he if he had been the Pats OC for four or five years, and he'd been yeah. he'd been sort of touted as a as the next up and coming sort of, you know, the next Bill Belichick almost. Well, like um, like. The route that Dable's done. Dable's done his time, twenty-one years, like exactly. as 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 positional coach, offensive coordinators, like done. You know, it's exactly what you're saying. That yeah, but the fact you know he was he can't. It was a bit of a sort of out of left field, really. No one really expect like when the when it was announced that he was our new head coach, and it was like, oh, who's this guy? You know, where's he come from? Like, what what's his experience like? And you look back at his experience, and it's like, all right, they obviously see something in him that that. Made him made him want to choose him as head coach, but he talked a really good game. Yeah, they, he, could talk, he could talk the talk. Yeah. But anyway, hey, anyway, let's that's the past lads. Let's, let's let's move on. Like you know, just pick up what you were saying, Dan. Like it's so good to see the ex players come back. Yeah, man. It's so good that Dable and Shane are 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 inviting them back in to talk to the guys and like make them feel part of the program that they were so such a big um, big influence in and have you know a big footprint on and like. Bringing back some of those players, like it's they've been there, they've done it. Like talk to the players. The players will listen to them. These are all new players. Like I mean, I think was it like sixty percent are brand new players. Like sixty-five players or something are like brand new. Like haven't played the organization through draft, free agency, all that type of stuff. Um, so I think that's such, such a nice touch. Bring them in. Just love seeing Justin Tuck there, man. I'm not gonna lie. No, oh, what a guy. What a, what a guy. What a guy. Such as we've said it before, isn't he? He was just a pro's pro. Yeah. And he's just not flashy. He was he was so well respected as well. Not just not just in the organization, but across the league. Um, he had such a good reputation, and and he, it was just I just think he's just a genuinely nice guy. And the fact, yeah, like we've had um, Mike Strahan in as well talking to the defense, which is really cool. Um, and obviously catching up with the the new coach, new GM. Uh, I'm sure, no doubt, he had a word of wink as well at some point. But yeah, it's just nice to see these these old players, these old players, these ex players coming back in. Obviously, Steve Smith had a you know had a chat and spent some time with with Tony and with Slayton as well. So a lot of experience there, you know, Steve Smith senior. So maybe um, maybe Kadarius Tony's learned a, a thing or two. And if anyone's if anyone's going to tell them like it is, it's going to be Steve Smith. Absolutely. Like, and also these players, if there's anyone you're going to listen to. It's someone like Steve Smith. And the thing is, as well, now we now that we've got Eli on board as a what's his position, whatever his, I can't remember what his position. An ambassador of yeah. some kind, isn't he? Like? Hope man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no doubt he would have been in in Dan Jones's ear anyway. But the fact that he's now actually part of the organisation and actually has a role within the organisation, I'm sure he's going to be uh, in Dan Jones's ear even more now like a countdown to when Archie makes it to the NFL yeah I've seen Daniel Jones though recently I know like you talk about the fellas going to the gym and stuff but he looks thick he looks like solid he looks like he could take a hit neither I mean he's he's spent what six months rehabbing six seven months rehabbing yeah yeah he spent some time in the gym that's for sure you just want it to work for him don't you you really do exactly you're right Andy you're right and like all these people saying draft, uh, oh we'll draft someone in top five next year we'll draft someone next 
No, I want him to go out and like, well, give him the pieces. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity now. Help. We need help. Right? We do. We need help. We need players to stay healthy. We've been the worst organization. I don't know what the stats are, but we've been the worst organization for health over the last sort of five to 10 years. And we need the old line to, to play average or above. You know, I'm not saying be a top five O line, but we need to be average or above, give him time. Then he needs to make the decisions quickly. He needs to know the play, know the coverage, and make decisions quickly and make plays. And now I think we've given him, he'll have weapons. I mean, God, they got that contract for a reason. So he didn't get touched on last year. A new regime's in now. He's going to want to prove that he earned that contract, that he is the player that earned that contract and he's a top wideout in this league. I can be a Stefan. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. That's exactly it. You got, you, you got the big-bodied, danger wide receiver and then you got a few little, the, the, the smaller guys who get, get open in space and can take it to the house or take it like you know the first down at least so so I'm pulling for him and, and I say this to all the fans as well pull for him we want Daniel Jones to be a success yeah man like we, we drafted him for a reason you know and the fact is you know yes we've seen glimpses of what he can do we want to see more of that but the only way we're going to see more of that is having those pieces in the right places and, and him having confidence in himself and his own ability. The fact that Coach Dayball said he doesn't want him to fear turnovers. Um, he doesn't, you know, don't don't be scared of turnovers because they're going to happen. And that's big as well because the last coaching staffs, they were trying to, to, to play him within himself because they didn't want the turnover. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like giving him sort of a bit more freedom to say, there you go. If you turn it over, it's not the end of the world. We'll come back next time. Um, whereas it was almost very much like a case of we've got to protect the ball, protect the ball, protect the ball. And and Dan Jones kind of struggled. We, I'm the same as well. I'm the same as pretty much well or, or most Giants fans in the fact we we want him to succeed. We want him to do well. The fact that he's in he's in his fourth year, he's not going to. It really is make or break now, isn't it? Absolutely, because the he's, definition of make or break. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he obviously the fifth year option didn't happen. Which we were kind of all expecting anyway. So he's it is this year he's got to count for him, and I've just got a, I've just got a sneaky little feeling, and you can snapshot this as well if you want, Craig, that it will work for Dan Jones this year. I think he'll earn at least uh, the franchise thing. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be his last year in blue. Yeah, I'd I'd put that on record to be fair as well. I and I think also you know two six will help as well. I think. You know, um, we've said it before, like it'll be a massive season for him as well because he's he's on his fifth year now. This is his fifth year option. So at the end of this season, it's, you know, it's either tag or sign or or, or let go. There's been a lot of pre-snap movement in um, in practice and in, in camps and stuff, hasn't there? So And there was zero last year, wasn't there? Exactly. So it's like... We were so vanilla last year. It was so predictable and all that. Jason Garrett for you, wasn't it? Oh, stop, will you? And like, like I think I, think I said this in the previous pod, um, like... Since his rookie year, this is the first off-season he's been injury-free. And a rookie's, rookie co- coming into the season is is crazy anyway because you're not building up to the season. You're preparing for the 40-yard dash. You're preparing for the for the draft and stuff. And, like, and you have all this hype around you. And then every off-season after that, he's been injured, rehabbing, rehabbing, rehabbing. And this is the first time that he hasn't had to rehab. He's come in full health. And like everyone's saying how good he looks, how good good as pass catching is like you were saying moving him around the place he's such a weapon even even in the past game he's such a weapon and it's if we can utilize him in motion and and actually running routes as well like man i'm just i'm scared of what he can do because his his ability is ridiculous did you hear what he said about evan neal when he came into the facility for the pre-draft visit he was just like 
this guy, we need to draft this guy. This guy's a beast. Look at the size of him. I mean, that's he's not he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> CBS tweeted out something earlier that said most fifty plus yard plays from scrimmage in a season among running backs since two thousand thirteen. Barkley had eight in 2018. He had five in 2019. Everyone else has had four. That includes Jonathan Taylor. Wow. And how good has Jonathan Taylor been? Um, well, last year was unreal, wasn't he? Led, he was league leader in rushing yards last year, wasn't he? To be fair, Saquon rookie season was absolutely magnificent. That game against Tampa Bay where he scored the three, like, oh my God. I was lucky enough to be there, but damn. I really hope like he plays well enough that... We want them to stay. That we're on this pod, us four and Shane on this pod, saying, "Oh, we need to bring we need to bring Saquon back next year. He has to come back. He's fit. He's healthy. He is one of the best fantasy runners and running backs in the league. He's earning points all over the shop, and everyone wants him. And whoever took him at the, the second round was an idiot. He should have went top four again and all this. And but I hope I hope he doesn't I hope he doesn't outprice himself." for a stay either if he has a good season yeah people still question why we took him second overall oh he shouldn't have been taken second overall that is definitely another discussion actually should the off season right a little bit of a little bit of a production meeting here with mid pod should we talk about our recent first like our recent picks over the last sort of like five six seven years to talk about the value of it was it worth it you know blah 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 a lot type of stuff yeah yeah we're, we'll pencil that in stay 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 tuned for the future draft review pod <laughs> Definitely, but um, just talking. You we were mentioned about Evan Neal as well. Um, you know, during during OTAs, one thing that stood out was his speed. For for a guy the size that he is, it's bloody impressive. I'm not going to lie. I Man, imagine imagine you're a linebacker or a safety, and he gets to the second level and he just lays you. You literally, you're going to be crapping yourself as soon as he's coming towards you. <laughs> you're gonna... I want to see. I want to see like a Derek Derek Henry esque stiff arm where he launches someone into the front row. It's just gonna be. It's just gonna be so good. I'm still. Und- I'm still undecided between the, n- the next jersey to get, whether to get his or to get um, KT's. Talking about talking of that, Thibodeau's jersey is number nine in, in NFL UK sales so far this off season. Yeah, I, I, I ordered mine. He's in the top ten. Fair play to him. But yeah, I'm. I kind of want an Evan Neal one. I'm not gonna lie. I might just have to go for whatever's in the shop when I go to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it won't be offensive line, will it? What offensive line is one of those ones you kind of have to like buy custom, don't you? I might, I might custom get myself a McKinney one just because it would be rude not to. I mean, talk about talk about a player poised to take the next step. I mean, he's shown recently, like he's shown, he has shown that he was a steal in the second round when we got him, and we couldn't believe he was there. He he he's been as as advertised in like a bad team. Again, we talked about as well that like Logan Ryan was a surprise release, but I do believe you know that um, the Wink and and Dable and Sheehan they they want McKinney now to to to, to galvanise and be the leader of that secondary, and I just think that you know that meant that uh, you know um, Ryan had to go. Yeah, man, I think McKin- this, is, this is McKinney's time to to step up now and and be that leader in the defensive backfield, and I th- I really do think he can do it. I think he's he's got the ability and the potential to to be that leader, and I think he, I think he can do it. I don't see any reason why he can't. And looking at the rest of the defense as well, it's again the the pieces are there in the right places. Yes, the 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 backfield is looking a bit tight, I suppose. You know, the sort of defensive backs that sort of area of concern. 
but that defensive line just now with with Thibodeau there, it's it shored it up a bit, hasn't it? Really? Yeah. If you look at our defense, like we've got we've got a, a bit of splash. It's mostly solid. It's mostly not sexy, but solid players. I mean, like you have got McKinney, who in my opinion will be one of the best safeties in the league. He's an absolute star, right? He's a star on, in, in in the defensive backfield. And you've got Julian Love at the moment in the other safety position, who is just solid, just fine, right? Just just average, right? A good player, but you know, you see more of a utility player who can play slot, you can play outside corner, who can play free safety, you can play strong safety. So ideally, he would be next man in at all those positions. You'd have starters above him, but he but but he won't he won't cost you a game. Do you know what I mean he's not one of those players like who's a complete liability? And then you've got um Jackson, who who is a top top corner and a number one corner, in my opinion. Again, his question is health. It's not about his play. There's nothing wrong with his play. It's just about his health in the league. But apparently, all the the, the the things from 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 OTAs. I mean, you can't take too much from it because there's no physicality at the moment. But Aaron Robinson has really taken to the outside. You know, he's moved from being that slot corner to being an outside corner. And I mean, I think he's six one and nearly two, like one eighty five or something. So so he's got the size for it, and they really see him as being someone who can contribute out there and be a starter. Now, again, will he be a sexy starter? Will he be a league player? No, but. I believe he would be one of those players that won't necessarily cost you a game again. And then when it comes to the linebacker position, interior, inside linebacker, you've got Blake Martinez, who hopefully is fit, is, is a tackling machine in this league. He's a leader. He, he'll wear the, the earpiece. He'll call the plays on defense. He's an absolute leader. He, you know, not the best in coverage, but again, no liability. And who plays next to him? Do you bring in like, you know, the rookie sort of uh, blitzing machine in Micah McFadden? Do you play a bit of Tay Crowder? Do you play the, the traditional beefy linebacker and beavers? I mean, so we have options. And, and just let, now let everyone, everyone will learn the playbook, learn Wink system. And then when it comes to the next part of the offseason, when you will be able to hit and stuff like that, then we'll see who, you know, who will stand out then. I mean, and if you look at our D-line, actual D-line, I mean, you've got Sexy Dexy playing more of the nose, more of the one technique. Big Cat, who, who, who's one of the best three techniques in the league, in my opinion, who's a very good pass-rushing interior defensive lineman. And, and you've got the talent, the, 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 the youth talent on the outside of uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Ojolari. I mean, it, it just takes, it just takes... That defensive line just sounds scary when you talk about it, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you've got Big, big Jelly, Big Jelly as well, just to come in, on, on, on obvious Russian downs, short yardage, big jelly to come in, just to shore up the middle along with Sexy Dexy and Big Cat, just to give you a little bit more oomph, a little bit more size in the middle. Um, I know we drafted DJ Davison, who who will be the, who seemed to be the long-term answer for that. But I just think, you know, if the new players, the rookies, can kind of take to the system, I think our defence can more than hold its own this year. Yeah, man. And obviously, when the fact that we've we filled the... Some of the holes on the offense hopefully means that the defense won't be on the field as much, so they'll actually have energy. They'll actually have sort of gas in the tank and energy in the tank to to make the plays rather than just be absolutely gassed all the time because they're being dominated in time of possession. Because the amount of free and outs like we've had over the last couple of years is shocking, or turnovers and this, you know, just the not sustaining that time of possession on offense. It's it's making the defense do all the work, and it's the 
you know gas in the mic absolutely yes last year our defense was, was the stronger of the two units but when you look at the the defensive statistics overall it wasn't a great season but that's because our reference was so poor you know and it works hand in hand so you know i think the the fact that our our offense is on paper stronger it will hopefully hopefully only mean better things for the defense as well yeah and i think I mean bringing in players like justin tuck uh Osio Minura, Kiwanuka, uh, Strahan, and bringing these players in to talk to the likes of Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah, you're big deals. Yeah, you're big deals, but you haven't done it yet, the pros. Bringing in these type of players can see, right, this is where I want to get to. I was a big fish in college, but now I'm in the big apple, in the big league. You know, these are the guys I want to emulate. Yeah, man. And I think having Wink in as DC as well will be unbelievable for the for these young guys for you know the rookies and for the guys going into the second year on defense as well he's just going to be a revelation for these guys because obviously last year Patrick Graham yes he he was a a good DC and you know we were were kind of sad to see him go but when Wink came in and it was it was almost like wow okay this is this is huge like this could be absolutely massive for us just to touch on on Graham quickly sorry Dan I know you make the point but uh I like Graham. Graham had a good defensive scheme, but he, he felt he didn't have the players to play his scheme, so he played ultra-conservative. Now, I don't think Wink will play like that. No, I don't think he will either. I think Wink's just going to be, you know, look what, look what he did in Baltimore. Whether they had the, the right players or not, he, he's an unbelievable coach. You know, he spent, what, 10 years in, you know, is it 10 years in the, at the Ravens? And the Ravens' defense have always always been productive. Yeah, and the la- obviously the last four is DC, and I think three out of those four years they've been in the top five of defense in the league. It's just consistent. Obviously, last year they tailed off a bit, um, but it's just massive injuries. Yeah, exactly. What do you make of Wink, actually, Andy? It's good to see us reset. I, I liked Graham as well, but when they said he was leaving, I wasn't sad about it because it was a total refresh for us. I've got a friend who is a Baltimore fan and she speaks very highly of him. So you got to hope for the best with these things. And with a weapon like Thibodeau, we finally replaced JPP. So that only took five years. Yeah, longer than we wanted, didn't it? Like? But that's the thing, like, I think if, if Patrick Graham had stayed, he would have been sort of the old cog in the in the new system and maybe it wouldn't have worked whereas bringing in a new dc as well along with obviously new coach new offense coordinator new gm it was a complete refresh and means we could sort of start from day one again um and not have that sort of history and and that you know coach that's been there for the last couple of years because you know it's a brand new regime it just feels very different like wink wink loves Thibodeau as well doesn't he 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 um he said he was his number one on his board and stuff like he so like that's good you know when when you know the Joe Sheen can you know deliver a player that the defensive uh, coordinator craves like I mean like you said earlier Kev the fact that we were talking about um, Thibodeau and Evan Neal after last year's draft this sort of this time last year we were talking about those two they were going to be going high up in the first round and the fact that we got both of them it's crazy and like I said to you before. It's the tr- like you, some some people say they want to build through the trenches and don't really do a good job, you know. To to go and get, in some people's opinion, the best O lineman, the best D lineman in this draft who have been ta- who have been productive for multiple seasons in college, not just one year, multiple seasons in college, 
Um, I mean, it's it's a, it's, a, it's an awesome start to my You know, like I said, the fact that we were talking about them this time last year, you know, it, it means they've had that continued success through college. And also, Andy, just quickly as well. So overall draft, what do you think of the overall draft? Because obviously, you know, you haven't been on since. To be honest, I love the first three rounds. I know Shane was very uh, outspoken on the Twitter about not being happy with our second round pick with Robinson. But it's okay to say you're reaching for a guy like at the time he obviously hadn't been able to listen to this and all the rest of it but when you watch them make the call and they're talking to him about we're going to run you in the system that we spoke to you about it's like damn they've got a plan here obviously the first round was as good as it could have got I was worried that we were so heavily linked with Cross because I don't think he's going to make it in the NFL the offensive tackle but um, to be honest with that one I think Cross will get bullied in the NFL I don't think he stands right I think when he sets up, his feet are too close together. It sounds really daft, but watching him on tape, he seems to do a lot of his work in the quarterback space, and that's not what you want from the edge. When, you, when you're talking about the, the trenches, it's all about those fundamentals. It's all about the position. It's all about your handwork. It's all about your footwork. You know, they're, they're huge, huge things that they'll, you know, the very slightest difference will make, it, will make a huge difference, you know. But, but just to touch on the first uh, three rounds, like, like Andy was saying, I mean, like, obviously, first round's home run. I mean, for those listening, if you haven't seen the old videos on Twitter uh, of us in the uh, in the war room, the, the man cave, the big blue UK and Ireland war room, enjoying those picks. I mean, I advise you go and search them out. Great, feel feel free to pin them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like talk about Willie Rosen, like Andy hits Neil on the head one hundred percent. Now they could have gone for a consensus better player, um, but to pick a player that they know how they want to use is so much more valuable, in my opinion. But they could have just gone, right, who's the fastest, biggest, who's had the most catches, most yards? All right, we'll pick him next. But no, if he fits into your scheme and you're going to use him, I mean, we want to see him be used now, Andy, don't we? We want to make, want to make sure we see him be used this season. Um, I mean, fair play. So, so I'm, everyone's on board with that pick. And the third round was sneaky good as well. I mean, you got Zuzu, Zudu, who, like, who will be a good guard eventually, and I hope Shane Lemieux keeps him out because... I'm hearing great things about Shane Lemieux. Everyone's talking about how, you know, it's his job to lose at left guard. But Zudu's um, been standing in at left tackle for um, uh, AT, for Andrew Thomas, while he's been, you know, having red shirt, nothing serious. So so having that versatility, like he, he went from left guard to left tackle mid-drive in some of the North Carolina games. I mean, that's crazy to think. People know about players playing one position one game or one position another game, or do, even on different drives. But to do it mid-drive, I mean, you need to have a lot of confidence in your ability and the offense that you're running to be able to play those two positions at the same drive. Um, and Flut, but that was the one that really that, that, that stuck out to me in the sense like I, I didn't have anyone, him anywhere near there. I thought he's far too skinny. But apparently, even in OTAs, like he's so physical, he just he gets to the ball quick. He just he sees it and goes and makes a tackle. He did that in college. I think he might be one of those players that we look back and go, do you know what? He was a bit part player his first season, but seasons two, three, four, and after that, you know, what a solid, solid player he's been. Once he put a bit of weight on, good player. Yeah, man. I, I saw um, a, I can't remember where it was the other day, but the uh, the uh, offensive line have all been given nicknames by, uh, by I think, it was, was it Coach Dayball? I think it was Bobby Johnson, wasn't it? The old line coach. Uh, quite possibly. I'm just, I'm just trying to find him. I know that Feliciano's is dirtbag. That's right. Lemieux is Frenchy. Just um, AT for Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Just Glow for Glowinski. And uh, I can't remember what Niels was. Oh, wasn't, it, wasn't it the Beast? Yeah. Beast. I mean, you got the both the Beast, Glow, 
dirtbag Frenchie and AT as your offensive line. I mean, just sign me up. <laughs> I think I think my favourite of those is dirtbag though. Love it. Feeling a little robbed, wouldn't you? As AT there. Oh, let's give him a nickname. Oh, there you go. It's his initials. Like a- AT, yeah. But maybe he might be happy with that. But yeah, just the fact that they've got those nicknames in place is, is is kind of funny, and it just sort of sets the almost like sets the mood for the team. Like they're not. I guess that camaraderie, doesn't it? That sort of like yeah. You want your own line tight. Absolutely, and you know the fact. I think these got these guys are going to be a, a really tight knit group. Um, looking at looking at the, you know how how well they seem to be getting on and gelling in practice and you know the fact they just look a lot more solid than what they did this time last year we've got we've got a lot lot to look forward to and only time will tell as well i suppose won't it moving on other news we announced our pre-season games uh dates and times of pre-season games three games in total first one against uh new england which is a yearly thing, it seems to be. So that's original? Yeah. Don't tell me Jets is coming up too. Uh, the Jets is the last one, absolutely. In the middle, we play the uh, Super Bowl losing team from February, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And Is that Eli Applebaum? Yeah, so I mean, the, 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 was it the first game will be New England on Thursday, August 11th, at uh, midnight our time. And then obviously we play the Bengals then on August 21st, Sunday, August 21st. It's uh, midnight again, Sunday night, um, for our time. And then um, finish off with the Jets, sort of the Snoopy Bowl, if you like, um, on August 28th uh, at a uh, 6 p.m. kickoff. We're the road team in that, aren't we? Not that it, not that it really matters. Um, but yeah, obviously three preseason games. Obviously, because of the uh, 17th game, we only have three preseason games now rather than four. It means that in just over two months' time, We'll have Giants football back on our screens again. Just play the starters. Save that. There's a beautiful little mailbag question that uh, touches on the pre-season. Oh, okay. We'll dig deep. All right, I'll leave it. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that any minute now. And the Giants also been announced as part of the NFL and the historically black college and university medical schools. So students from four historically black college and university medical schools will be selected for clinical rotations with NFL team medical staff this year. Total of 16 students participate in the program uh, with two students each at eight of the participating clubs. So Falcons, Bengals, Chargers, Rams, 49ers, Titans, Commanders and the Giants as well. Students working uh, under the supervision of orthopedic team physicians uh, and other physicians within the team as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely, man. It's good to see the Giants being like, you know, not the forefront, but like definitely involved in these, you know, these type of uh, things like that. Yeah, there's the different schemes and pioneers, you know, obviously we're part of the uh, International Player Pathway Programme as well with um, Platzgummer, Sandro Platzgummer, plus having, um, what's his name? The big Nigerian guy. Yeah, I'm not going to attempt it. Mbetica. Mbetica, yeah. Big Roy. There's no free spot for either of them this year. You know the way, like, you know, yeah, you know, the previous years we've had, like, Platzgummer on, like, uh, the practice squad extra spot for him. This year he has an extra spot on the 90 man. So with 91 players on the team, he's given an extra spot. But when it comes to 53 plus 16, 16 practice squad, he either makes that or he doesn't. There's no extra spot for him this year. 
Platscom has got a lot of work to do then, hasn't he? Big time. Also, the Giants recently launched a new podcast celebrating women in sports, which is called Her Playbook, uh, which is pretty cool, featuring successful women from within the Giants organisation um, around the sports world. They've had two episodes so far. Yep. The feedback and the reviews I've seen have, have seemed to be pre- seem to have been pretty good. So, you know, long may it continue and good luck to them. I think it's a good time for them to do it as well. They've they've brought in Laura Young as the director of coaching operations there, and it makes sense not to make a big deal of it just because it, it, she is the first woman. Because you know it's probably long overdue, especially when you compare it to some of the other franchises that have done this way before us. But it's the right decision to cast a light on it. And, you know, it does show us in a good light. And it's not just giants people we're talking to. We are talking to other women. Yeah, some, um, from um, Sports Centre on ESPN, wasn't there? But now, good luck to them. Um, I, ha- I haven't actually listened to it yet, but it's on the uh, it's on the, the playlist on my uh, on Apple Podcasts, where you can also find our podcast at Big Blue UK RL. I see that. Other platforms are available. Other platforms are available as well, absolutely. Now it's that time again. Postman Pat's delivered a bumper haul this time, and it's mailbag time. Uh, so thanks for sending any questions, guys. First up, we have Smith122 on Twitter. What's everyone's opinion on whether Jones will succeed or fail this year? In my opinion, I think he could do well with a new protection and two good offensive minds in Dayball and Kafka. Just hope he doesn't fumble too much, otherwise he's out next year. Is he going to succeed or fail this year, lads? I think Smith has a great point there about the fumbling. I think out of all the stuff he can control, that's the most he can control, if that makes sense. I mean, he, he needs to play brave, he needs to play free in the passing game, and he needs to select his runs, and he needs to slide early. Now, it's up to him how he protects the ball when he has the ball in his hands. So I think the fumbling part is the part I think I will judge more. I mean, I want to have a good touchdown-interception ratio. Of course I do. But I think I'll be watching out for the for the fumbling side of it more. If he comes up with fumbles this year again, then that will prove that will say to me that that he can't be the guy going forward. There was an interesting question put to him. Um, I've forgotten by who it was, but one of the female journalists at the uh, mini camp, Paddy Trina. Yes, yes. Yeah, yesterday, she asked him if the rumor was true that he was working with a baseball coach to work on his sliding which I believe he denied that he had, but he had said that he was putting a lot more focus into getting down early. It doesn't just affect us when he's injured. It's, it will affect his career massively. And the more injuries he has, the less likely it's going to be that he becomes more than a backup if it doesn't go well this year. And potentially even worse if something bad was to happen to him. Well, they say the best ability is availability, don't they? Like? And Eli proved that. In spades. Yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> exactly. Andy, is he going to succeed or fail? I hope he succeeds. Whether that will be here or not is a different question. I think if he gets injured this season, he's done. He's literally on the edge of oblivion, to be honest. If you've now had your fifth-year option taken up and the fan base isn't in love with you, you're in a bad position as a four-year quarterback. But he's got nothing to lose, so he might as well go out and put it all on the line. He's got better receivers this year. Robinson looks like a talent that was literally taken for him. And whether he was involved in saying that he liked him on tape or something, 
you'll never know that unless they come out and tell you, but you'd hope so. And Dable came out and said that he was going to build a playbook around his strengths. You can only hope for the best and it's in no one's best interest to see him fail. So I hope he succeeds. I think, I think we, we've obviously spoken about it earlier. I, I, I think everyone hopes he succeeds. I think all Giants fans hope he does. I mean, obviously, it's it's still early days with the new regime at the moment. It's still probably too early to tell. But you could quite easily make a case for him succeeding or failing. You know, both would be strong arguments. Like you said, the, is he going to improve uh, his turnovers? Is he going to improve the, the the fact that he can hold on to the ball? At the same time, is he going to u- utilise the weapons he's got um, and succeed on offence? Who knows? Um, you know, we're sort of at the beginning of June so I think it's definitely it's way too early to tell yet but you know I've got my fingers and toes and everything else crossed and touch wood that he does succeed and I think he will I was just going to like say that I was going to say like I don't know if I really answered it but but, but my answer is as as I said probably earlier in the pod I think he will I hope he does but I actually think he will as well I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that if god forbid something does happen at least we can look forward to Tyrod Taylor and not what we had last year amen <laughs> good old giraffe nick god just he was awful when he came in wasn't he the thing is what well, that, that that was his worst season ever as well even as a backup like it kind of all comes back to the play calling we we basically ruined him then didn't we really we ruined him. I would much rather have Tyra Taylor on the field than uh, Mike Glennon, put it that way. Smith122, thanks for your question. Next up, we've got Ashley Platt, Mr. Regular. Evening, mate. I felt pre-season games were useless last year for every team. Do you think Giants will approach it differently under Coach Dable and really try to get our starters ready? Or are we looking to training camp in July to see the best out of our new regime before we open against the Titans? Ash, you ask some really long-winded questions, mate. <laughs> good though, you ask good questions. Yeah, love your questions, mate. Love them. So, yes, preseason games were useless last year. They're kind of useless most years. They're just there really to regular seasons were useless last year. To be fair, just the whole of twenty twenty one was a write off. Preseason games, yeah, you know, you can never read too much into it. They're just there to to give the players, you know, a run out and give them, you know, playing time and. They're really for the fringe players to make a name for themselves and give you know give the give the coaches and the GM a reason why to put them on the fifty-three or even yeah. in the practice squad. Do we think the Giants will approach it differently under Dayball this year and really try to get our starters ready? Maybe, but again, like, we, do we really want all all of our starters playing all three games in the preseason? Just to touch on it, yeah. I mean, I would like it. I, I mean, I think. A flash play in a preseason game for a backup or someone who's on the fringe, I don't think means a lot. But getting cohesiveness for your actual star, starters or close to starters um, out there for preseason games, I mean, I'd rather, yeah, play them as much as possible, you know, get live reps. I mean, there's a lot to be said for like live reps as opposed to like joint practices or, you know, training and stuff like that. So I don't know if Dave's will go down that road. I kind of hope he does. I kind of hope he goes, you know what? Let's get these lads into rhythm. Let's, let's get these boys passing to each other. Let's get the offensive line lined up next to each other regularly like and pushing people forward. And, you know, so I, I would love if he did that. Will he do it? I'm not sure. I think it would be beneficial because the roster churns over. Like, we've got, we got, all right, we're going from 90 down to 53, but then we've got 16 on the practice squad now as opposed to 10 in the past. Uh, it gives us a little bit more leeway. 
So I think through practice, through the seeing people in the gym, seeing people in meeting rooms, uh, seeing people like on the practice field, I think the end back end of that ninety, you 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 can pretty much say they're gone. I mean, if, if it was me, I'd go in with seventy five. I wouldn't go in with ninety. I mean, you need the ninety bodies there to run training. I get that. Yeah, I I I think they probably should. You know, play starters a few more snaps than they would uh, normally. Yeah, at least sort of the first two or three series. You know, even if even if they played the starters for the first half and then second half they hand it over to their backups and and third string guys. Obviously, preseason going to give us the biggest sort of first glimpse of the new regime. Um, how much we see of them, like we said, who knows? We'll, we'll sort of see as and when it comes along. Craig, do you reckon it's going to be any, any different on the coach table? No, not really. I think it's pretty much viewed the preseason's viewed the same way around the league, isn't it? And I don't think any head coach is going to go into it expecting the Giants to throw out their starters. I mean, potentially the trenches, so the O-line and the D-line, would be advantageous to make sure that we have the cohesion and the chemistry there between them. But there's part of me that understands that you want to try and get the rhythm going, but I don't want to see Saquon go down against the Bengals for no reason. I don't want to see... Golladay get pulled for the season for no reason. I think certain positions you can kind of accept it, but with the rise of ACL injuries, I don't want to. I don't want to see someone carted off before the season's even started, especially a big name. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's risk versus reward, isn't it? And what is the reward from the starters playing? You know, two or three series in those preseason games. That mean nothing. Versus what is the risk? The risk is you could lose them for the year. You know, you, they need to weigh that up. Like, you know, again, like I said, I'd prefer it if they played a little bit more to get the live snaps and cohesiveness. But, you know, the, the risk is that, you know, exactly what Craig has said. So it's so tricky. The balance is so tricky. And that's why we're not, we're not making the big decisions. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not. We'll, uh, we'll leave that to the guys that need to. I don't, I don't think they'll do anything differently really than than all the other teams around the league are doing with regards to preseason. Obviously camp is is gonna be completely different. That's gonna be, you know, the coach's time to really sort of to shine and bring the best out in the players. Um and really sort of push them and challenge them to be the best and, and to get better and to improve improve every day. So I'm looking forward to camp. I'm looking forward to training camp and seeing what, you know, both sides of the ball can do with the new head coach and the new coordinators as well. I think if you look at it two years ago when they didn't do preseason it took us four games to get going. They were your preseason games that it took for our team to warm up. Last year, for some reason, we approached the off-season like it didn't matter when we were the 85 Bears. I think two of the games, we didn't put the starters out at all. And that was ridiculous. And then it was, again, it was a very slow start. But you have to play the starters in some aspects. You have to learn from the mistakes of the past. And if you approach it where the three games don't matter, you're going to go into the Titans game and get caught very flat. There's a lot to learn and you're only going to learn it on a field. I get that it's risk and reward, but your reward's probably higher than your risk. To be honest, yeah. Like, what did we learn from the preseason last year? Nothing, because like you said, the starters weren't there. And then the fact that we, you know, the expectation against Denver was there on the on the opening weekend of the season and we flopped. And then the expectation was there the week after and we flopped. And it just set the scene for a really poor season. Um, it just set, you know, I, wa- I want to see positivity coming out of the preseason this year, at least. And a bit of hype and a bit of, you know, a bit of buzz about the about the team 
in the in, in the media and, and what the potential is and rather than us thinking oh god it's going to be another one of those seasons where you know it's going to be a long arduous disappointing season and then at the end of it we come out and what have we achieved so no i think pre i think pre-season is important but not really at the same time if you get me ash thanks for your question mate as always it's a uh a nice talking point and it's a, a nice long-winded question for us to to sort of break down into into mini questions next up we've got Harley m10 on twitter thanks for getting in touch buddy who would be your preference to be the offensive play caller andy i i hate it when a head coach makes his own calls but Dable has shown you in Buffalo that he can work with a young QB and the same sort of receivers we've got now. I, I'd have to put my trust in him. I really would. Uh, until he shows me that he shouldn't be making the calls, why not? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do agree. Um, the only thing, and I think this is something we've touched on in previous pods, is that when you've got an offensive coordinator and you've chosen an offensive coordinator and it's a very different job being an OC and going in to becoming a head coach because you've got your fingers in so many more pies than just calling the plays. There's a reason that they went after Kafka. For me, Kafka has to call the plays. I'd rather that Kafka started calling the plays and if it went, if it wasn't going well, that Dable took over and at least gave him the confidence boost to say, hey, look, I believe that you can do this because I need to focus on the other shit that's going down during each game, like the game management, like the fact that it's not just the offense that Dave's needs to focus on anymore. He needs to have his focus on special teams and he needs to have his focus on uh, the defensive side as well. Well, He'll be trusting his coordinators on the other two sides, so why not trust Kafka? Very true. Um, I'm with you, Andy. I, I hate head coaches that call plays. It's almost like they just don't they don't trust their OC to do it. So why what's the point that what's the point in the OC being there? I mean, there there are some coaches that there are some teams that don't have offensive coordinators. It's just the head coach. So I get that. But when you've got an offensive coordinator in there who you've like you said you've chosen, why not give it to him? Why not give the play calling to him? You know, would it surprise me if Dable played the calls? It wouldn't surprise me because he's been there and he's done it. He's got the t-shirt and he's we were successful at doing it. But do I think um, Kafka should do it? He would be my preference to do it. Because, you know, we've got two months between now and the first preseason game for for Kafka to to prove himself to, to the coaches in, in calling plays. And I hope he does. And I hope but come, you know, 11th of August or whenever it is the first preseason game, I hope he's calling them plays. So he'd be my preference. Kev? Yeah, I mean, definitely agree with all you boys there. I think the preferences for Captain Corbett. I mean, he was QB coach in in Kansas City um, in a, in a very good situation. Now, if you're going to leave that to be an offensive coordinator, I think you'd want to be able to call the plays as well. Um, I mean, it'd be hard for Dable to give it up. I think Dable wants Captain to call the plays, but it's one of those things where like you can't do it to the detriment of the team either. I mean, if Captain's not quite ready or um, you know, you're in game or whatever, and, and you know you feel like you need to take the reins a bit. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Dable did, um, but Dable wants to be his own guy as well, his own head coach. And I think he would need to take a step back, 
trust the coordinators. I mean, he knows he can leave Wink to do it, to, to crack on, obviously, because Wink is going to try and um, get a head coach position. He's, he's been open and saying he wants to be a head coach, which is good for us because, you know, he's got the aspirations. So he's going to go out and he's going to make sure he bowls uh, or his defense bowls. So, yeah, so I, I think it will be Kafka. I hope it's Kafka. But don't be surprised if early it kind of looks like it's stable still pulling the strings, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, there'll be no harm in it sort of being a, a double team. The fact that Dayball's been there and done it and he's he's got the experience, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt Kafka to, to sort of lean on, him, lean on him every now and again when he needs to. But, yeah, Kafka's, are, Kafka's I think, overall are... Uh, our preference to be the OC play call, the offensive play call, anyway. So, Haley, thanks for your question. And last up, we've got Owen Driscoll via email. Get in, lad. Do you have any advice on getting tickets for MetLife Stadium? Do they go on sale immediately after the schedule release? Andy, getting tickets for MetLife. Right. Best way of doing it is a site called SeatGeek. What it is, is it's season ticket holders who sell their seats for games. So you're going to need an American address, which if you use your hotel in America, it will accept that. That will be fine. And they send you the ticket digitally. But the price will go up and down throughout the season kind of thing, depending on how we're playing. So if you're going out in December, I'd suggest waiting. If we have a bad start to the season, tickets will plummet in price. Uh, I went to the Jets Patriots a couple of years ago when Sam Darnold had mono and we picked up tickets for it was about $28 in the upper tier and the Jets fans went home at halftime. So we got to work our way down to the hundreds down low. So, but yes, seat geek is your best bet. You can also go through the giants, but you'll pay whatever faces on those tickets. But yeah, seat geek have never done me wrong in America. Yeah, man. Uh, Ticketmaster exchange are pretty good as well. Um, I, get, I think that's the same, the same sort of premise that seeing ticket holders will, you know, give up their seats. They'll put their seats up there for face value. But pretty much all season ticket holders, all the seats are held by season ticket holders, aren't they, pretty much? They are, yeah. So it's going to be secondary market. It's not like you buy them on general seal the way we do over here. No, no, no. No, and um, I've heard good, yeah, I've heard good things about SeatGeek. I've, I've never seen anything bad about Ticketmaster Exchange either, so... If SeatGeek would like to sponsor uh, a certain podcast, then maybe next season uh, you might get some sort of uh, discount on uh, tickets, maybe. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> But yeah, if Owen has any difficulty whatsoever, um, if he reaches out to me through the UK Giants group or on Twitter, you can find me as well. Uh, I'm happy to help. Yeah, man. Um, Owen, thanks for your question, man. I'm, I mean, Andy was the best person to talk to about that because he, because uh, he's got. That's finger- why you brought me on, right? Yeah, he's got fingers. He's got. He dips his fingers all over the place. He's got. He's got. That sounds good. Contacts <laughs> everywhere. He's got. He's got contacts everywhere. But no, Owen, thanks for getting in touch. And uh, yeah, if you need any help, get in touch with either Andy or any one of us and we can get, we can help you out, that's for sure. Thanks for your questions. Really do appreciate it. Um, but that is all we've got time for this week. Remember, follow us on Twitter at Big Blue UK IRL, the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook group, uh, and BigBlueUKIRL at gmail.com are the ways you can get in touch with us as well. Anything to add before we go, guys? Um, no, just like, you know, um, stay tuned uh, to the social media stuff and, and the, uh, the Facebook group and uh, obviously keep on this the podcast. Um, so in the next couple of weeks, we will start to inform the people of little things we've got coming up, especially with the Tottenham game, Giants v Packers. And, you know, 
you know, we'll start to give you more of an idea of what our um, off-season podcast content will be like going forward. So, yeah, just keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah, the DMs are always open as well. And I know that we do ask them slide slide in. But in all honesty, we do throw out the mailbag question every so often. And the mailbag questions, especially in the off-season, don't have to be serious and they don't have to be about the Giants. Throw us anything. If you want to know what we thought of X player from 60 years ago, we'll do some research, we'll find out, and we'll give you an opinion. If you want to hear a specific topic covered, let us know. If you want to know what our all-time Giants team would be for each of us, let us know. We will happily spend some time talking about that on the podcast and get us and yourselves through the off-season. Yeah, and if you want to know anything, like, um, great point there from Greg. If you want to know like anything about like, college sports as well, college football and stuff like that, you know, we're more, more than happy to talk about that type of stuff, or even other teams that we might support or things like that. You know, we're literally, you know, nothing's off limits on this pod. But no, any, any, anything. It doesn't even have to be American football related. It can be any question you like. Um, you know, we are all association football fans as well. We are all normal football fans, if you like, I suppose. Um, and we've follow other you know i'm a baseball fan myself as well so there's you can be about anything even if you even if you want to get to know us on a you know on a more personal spiritual spiritual level spiritual level (laughs) on a personal level or whatever yeah get in touch and ask us a question because you know we'll pretty much answer anything really get in touch with us get those questions coming in um because yeah like we said earlier we we really do appreciate it when i became a giants fan dan gave me the pitch i am looking to become a college football fan, let's hear some pitches. I am I am open to pitches. Do you have a college team, Greg? No, and that's the point. So I was talking to Anna about this the other day, and the logical one would be the Gators, because I've been to Florida a horrific amount of times. More times than I'd hate to imagine, Craig. Uh, well, September will be time number five with Anna since in the last eight years. So, so, so enough. So I guess it would be the Gators or the Seminoles from Florida State. Florida State Seminoles, eh? So that's two options. But if anyone has got a good pitch and the better the pitch, the more likely I am willing to take it. Take Nebraska and come to Dublin. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Actually, yeah. The games are coming over. I mean, the games are on Saturday night as well. So it's not like... Yeah, work on Sunday morning to watch the old college games. No, but I devote 11 hours of my life on a Sunday evening when I can to watching the NFL. So. Yeah, I mean, doing both is, 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 is kind of hard to be fair. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, the amount of times I'll, I'll sit here late at night watching the Yankees as well. So My Celtics are currently in the NBA Finals at the moment. They are, mate, aren't they? So it's 1-1 at the moment. It's game three tonight. That's it, yeah. By the time people listen to this, Someone will have taken the lead. Well, my my nephew's a huge basketball fan. I was I went to see my sister and niece and nephew at the weekend, um, and he's a huge basketball fan. He's a Phoenix Suns fan, but he uh, he predicted the uh, the Celtics to win in seven. Get in, good lad. Yeah, so that was his tip. I didn't put any money on it, but if the uh, we'll see how the game goes tonight, and if the Celtics take a two one lead, then I might put some money on it. Talking about the sports, though, just very quickly, is it not really good to see uh, Dable showing up at the Rangers games? Ah, that's class. So good. Are they still undefeated when he's there? Yeah. 
I know they were. I just hadn't noticed in the last couple of games if he had attended. But both were in Tampa, weren't they? The last two games. That's right, and they lost one of them. They lost both. Both. There you go. Yeah, it's not looking good for them all of a sudden. But uh, it's just good to see him expanding into New York and trying to take in the culture. No, you're right. It's two-two at the moment as we record. It's two-two. Dables at the first two games with Shane, and they went 2-0. And then, obviously, we're back to Tampa Bay, I believe, and it's uh, 2-2 currently. They are, I, think they're still, I think they're still unbeaten um, when they've been there. So maybe they're a lucky charm. Maybe they need to go to every game. Hopefully we do the same. I was going to say, uh, you know, every game with us next year will be yeah, good. Yeah, 17-0. Watch this space. <laughs> imagine. Imagine. I think we beat the Packers. You were say again? I, I believe we beat the Packers in London. Oh, we beat the Packers in London that weekend. Is going, that weekend is going to be good anyway because, you know, obviously having the boys come over, having the team come over and stuff. But if we beat them that weekend, that, like, and I want all fans to try and come out, like to whatever happens, or whatever people may organise or whatever, I want them to come out because it would be such a good Greg. Yeah, man. I'm, I can't wait for it. I really can't. And if we get the win, it'll make the weekend even better. There is method to my madness with that one. Like We've seen teams come over first time and struggle before. Packers have never made this trip. We've made it twice. We've literally yeah. already got a hotel. Well, it's not even a hotel. It's like a massive building. But it's already booked. It's locked down already for us. Like We know what we're doing. Yeah, man. Third, t- third time you've come to these shores. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. I'm so gutted I missed that first year, you know. Snap. Oh. I didn't. I was there. To be fair, I, I I literally got the ticket a week before the game as well. I paid a ridiculous amount of money for it. <laughs> and do you think you'd be sitting here now? Your fandom as big as it is, I mean. Um, no, not really, because it was I was I'd only sort of followed the sport really for a year at the time. Um, so yeah, that was that was sort of that really what sort of ignited my love for the team. Um, but yeah, I think you know back in was it two thousand seven. I think I paid like 250 quid for the ticket or something cheaper like that. Um like a week before the game, so yeah, I've still I've still got the I've still got the ticket, I've still got all the merch from the game. Still got the still got the program sealed in its cellophane wrapper. Yeah. Sam's got one of Eli uh, Manning's um, game issue jerseys from that game. He's uh he's got some good stuff here as he's also got Odigizuwas from the Twickenham game, so that's crazy, man. That's some serious merch out of- Someone's got some money to spend, haven't they? Yeah, I don't doubt that. And on that note, Andy, thanks for being uh, with us this week, mate. It's really appreciate it. It's good to have you back. Absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Where can everyone find you? Where can everyone find the great work that you do? Uh, I hide in the shadows. You never find me. No, I am uh, over on the UK Giants fan group. Uh, we're mostly active on Facebook. We have got a Twitter as well, but that's mainly Keith. So jump on in it's going to be very busy coming up especially with the tickets going on sale for the Green Bay game can't promise I can help everyone get tickets but I will do my damned hardest to try and get at least a few in yeah man no doubt you will yeah like I said it's great to have you on mate Um, and no doubt we'll uh, speak to you again at some point soon before the start of the season anyway we will be back soon where we'll hit our half century as we'll bring you episode number 50 um, of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast who can believe it 50 episodes in Hopefully over the next few weeks uh, we'll have some guests lined up as well. So make sure you keep your eyes on our socials for news of when the next pod is about to drop. Uh, All that's left to say really is uh, my thanks as ever go to Kev and to Craig for joining me and to you Andy as well. Um, 
And to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off until next time. Go Giants!